everyone and welcome to Bear All, the brand new dating and sex podcast by open-minded dating app Bear. I'm Sophie, the host, and each week I'll be joined by a fab guest who'll be coming on and talking about all things sex and dating related. Grab a glass of wine, sit down and enjoy the episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to Bear All. This week we're chatting with actor, writer, public speaker and YouTube creator Rachel Brownstein and we're going to be talking about the ins and outs of porn as Rachel has previously worked in um, porn and the sex work industry. Welcome and thanks for coming on Rachel. Thank you for having me. Would you mind just explaining a little bit more about what you're doing at the moment? So pre-COVID, um, <laughs> I am, so I'm a public speaker, so I speak about my experiences in the adult film industry, and that's really because I think civilians, as people call them, uh, have a very fixed and filtered view, so the media always, you know, has a certain view, and I think people don't understand the nitty-gritty that goes on behind the scenes, so it's about speaking out to show the stigma and the damage that it can cause, uh, and also to sort of humanize sex workers themselves because I, I think again you get seen as your character and people forget that you're an actual human being underneath it all as well and porn if used in place of a thorough sex education is just setting very unreal expectations not just for kids but for adults as well mm. so I think that by talking about the prep involved for an anal scene will hopefully get people to realize oh okay yeah I can't just stick my dick in someone and I should have asked is swearing okay swearing is absolutely okay <laughs> right because yes. I have a potty mouth <laughs> same that's absolutely fine before we get into the more juicy topics and get into the conversation which I'm so excited about we're going to start off with our sex position game so my wonderful okay. social media assistant Enya has sent us an email with a unique sex position and let's see if we can guess what it is. So if you want to open it up open. now, I need to open it up as well. Okay. People who listen regularly will know I don't have a great track record for doing very well on this, <laughs> but it's quite fun. I, I like to think that my, my answers are uh, unique in their own way. Can you see the position? Yes. Wow. Okie doke. That's, that's so, uh, acrobatic. Yeah, that, to be honest, that's been the main theme of all of them is that I do not have the core strength to do any of these. So for anyone listening there, in this particular uh, picture, it is, it seems to be a man and a woman. Um, the man or penis owner is kind of stood up and the woman is almost, is that like a wheelbarrow position? But not Yeah, that's, that's a word that popped in my, it's like a three quarter wheelbarrow. So imagine sort of she's almost in plank position, but and the man has her legs around his waist, but she's sort of twisted. So one leg is through the man's uh, between between the man's legs. So it's instead like of the, stamping spoons, isn't it? I suppose like so yeah. if you were started lying down in spoons and then, and then stood up. Yeah, and add a bit of a rotation in there too. <laughs> she's got to have a strong that so she's. The, the woman is supporting herself with just one arm so she's got to be very strong I do not have my arms definitely need a lot of work but yeah that's a more of a professional you couldn't last more than 30 seconds in that I don't think you just want to get back on the bed I think or any flat surface after attempting this what do you think this is called um 
Hmm. Um, <laughs> I want to say maybe side saddle. That's the thing that's just Ooh. popped into my head. That's got quite a nice ring to it. I might go with... Because she's kind of twisted. Yeah, yeah. I might go with the twisted wheelbarrow. Let's see. I wonder how many people have actually done these. Um, or if whoever makes them, do they have to try them out first? Oh, okay. <laughs> this is called the pair of tongs. The pair of tongs. Uh, yeah, I guess I can... Yeah, I can see that. I guess like I'm just thinking of kitchen tongs I guess it kind of looks like that yeah like a pair of GHDs yeah like the hair yeah. strings that's yeah. yeah interesting as with what happens in most week I'm not sure I'll be trying that out because I'm not fit enough <laughs> um but maybe one day fab so if we sort of talk about your history working in the well as a sex worker and in the adult film industry how did that come about? What made you want to do that? How did you fall into it? So I went at it kind of in the reverse. So I started doing full service sex work, quote unquote, escorting. So going to doing in calls at guys' houses. And really that was because I was sick of minimum wage jobs uh, yeah. and working crazy hours in restaurants. Um, I would think I was, at the time I was working in a hotel restaurant. So you do a dinner shift and then have to be up at five to then go and do the breakfast shift, you know, for a few quid an hour. And it was just ruining me. Uh, yeah. And I just thought there's got to be a better way, you know, and I don't have on paper. I'm not highly educated or anything. So my mind just leapt to sex work as, as it does, apparently. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had considered doing lap dancing a couple of years before talked myself out of it because I was thinking what if I get recognized and you know how do I then face all of that and then the idea kind of came around again and I, I and then it just evolved into escorting. <laughs> how, how does one get started in escorting is it just researching online or did you know a friend? Yeah yeah no so it was it was very much online online only and this is going back uh 2000 and one like 2000 2001 so it was probably ask Jeeves or Lycos or something Google hadn't really rose to the to the forefront yet so yeah just tapped in escort agencies found one in uh they were definitely in Yorkshire can't remember if they're in Leeds per se where I live yeah and they sort of sent me to to bookings and I even now after writing my memoir and having to try and remember all of this stuff I still don't remember my first ever booking Really? It was just, it must have been so mundane and mm. underwhelming. Can <laughs> I ask how, how old you were at this point? I would have been 22-ish, uh, thereabouts. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess older than, than many women are when they first enter the sex industry. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, er, very early 20s. Mm. Okay. So you start, so you started as off as an escort. I mean, you said you can't remember your first one. It was quite mundane. How was, how did you find it? It was uh, fine. <laughs> it's the best way I can think of describing it. It was just, it was very, what's the word? Yeah, it was just like going to work. So mm. it never, it, you know, I never had a sort of crisis of conscience or how do I feel about myself over this thing? Do I feel terrible? I never had any of that. It was just mm. very transactional. That's the word yeah. I'm looking for. Uh, and I was able to... I guess partition my 
brain and my emotions and just right well I'm going to go to work and use a pseudonym mm. and it was just right well I'll go and take that character off to work and earn some money and then go home and just become Rachel again mm. uh, did you would just, you say you enjoyed it was it fun uh yeah yes I suppose it was maybe not per the sex per se because mm. that's you know typically underwhelming <laughs> um, and it's very performative you know because the guy's paid for your time so you're there pretty much for him and you mm. know but I certainly enjoyed the freedom mm. um and it's a couple of years ago I was finally diagnosed with a condition called uh Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and it's something that affects my all of my soft tissue and that you know for decades I've not known what was causing this amount of pain that was in constantly and the mm. chronic fatigue and all sorts so I was doing all these kind of minimum wage jobs that were physically quite difficult and I was just in constant pain or mm. constantly tired so suddenly being able to call the shots on when I worked and earning a much larger amount of money for a shorter time period just fit my lifestyle so much better mm. and then it's strange now I see a lot of conversations on Twitter and there are a lot of people with varying degrees of disability who have turned to sex work because it's the only thing that fits either with a, a sort of mental illness or physical debilities or physical demands. And sex work does fit the bill quite often. Mm. So, yeah, it gave me it gave me freedom and it gave me choice. It gave me control in a way mm. that you certainly don't get as a waiter. Yeah, I think you know, that's so interesting because. I think there's, I mean, we can talk about this a bit later, but there's so many misconceptions about sex workers. And a lot of that is that they might be forced into it or they hate it or they have no control or autonomy. And what you're saying is that you actually felt like you had so much more control over your life because yeah. it was so much better suited to you than slaving away, uh, slogging at, um, you know, underpaid, undervalued minimum wage jobs. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you in a... In a restaurant, for example, you can't, if a customer's rude to you, as long as it's not, uh, you know, hugely rude, um, you can't refuse to serve them because then you get into trouble with the manager. Yeah, Whereas, you just have to smile and just be like, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas in sex work, if I, you know, if I had a client that was horrific, I could say, well, I'm never seeing him again. Mm. Or I remember one time a guy came into my, I was staying in a hotel, came into the room, gave me the money and then started trying to barter with me. He's like, oh, well, can you, can you give me a discount? So I just threw the money back at him and sent him out the door. Like, yeah. off you fuck. <laughs> I am not a carpet. <laughs> They're like, no, exactly. I'm not going to be haggled over. That's just no. ludicrous. So, um, what, so did you have to hire the hotel out yourself or was that? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so the, you front all of the costs, yeah. Oh, wow. So the money that they're paying you has to cover the both the the I guess the rent or the the cost of the room and also the services that you're offering as well yeah yeah so it's you know and then you've got your makeup and your underwear and yeah. you know and the bottles of wine and shower gel and you know all that kind of all the added expense of, yeah. of doing it yeah it's all and then you've got the fees that you have to pay to the agency as well as mm. well as your advertising costs you know it's it's not yeah. just easy money all it's like it's a business you know yeah you that you are become much a business yeah like a business owner of, of it yeah, yeah. and wow. it's you know for it's as long as you're canny in a way about it you can it's all tax deductible to a degree so you can write off a lot of the expenses but nonetheless you still have to front the cost yeah how did then 
So after, when did you then start doing um, adult films and things like that after escorting? Or did you do it side by side or? Well, it became, so I just wasn't getting much, it, what, the work wasn't super regular, the okay. escorting work. So I sort of then went back to the lap dancing idea and I found, so I live in Leeds and I started dancing at Spearmint Rhino in Harrogate because it's you know 20 odd miles away from where I was living so it was like oh there's that bit of distance so you know mm -hmm. it's unlikely that my friends are going to come in and see me mm -hmm. uh, and then while I was dancing because I've got a rather large chest guys <laughs> would say oh you should do page three which if any listeners don't know it's uh the tabloid newspapers used to have topless photographs of topless women on the third page and typically they had huge norks <laughs> um, so I then found uh, a studio in Leeds that did glamour nude that kind of modeling joined his books and so I was mostly posing for like amateur photographers you know people who just pay you an hourly rate and snap pictures and then got scouted by score magazine who are like a niche large breast uh, porn magazine uh, and they brought me down to London because they wanted to do a professional shoot and then the photographer is friends with a director called uh, well his stage name was Super Dick <laughs> and he said you know if you ever decide you want to do films let me know and I'll connect the two of you together oh, wow. so I kind of left that day and I was thinking well how do I feel about this you know and I remember a conversation I'd have with a friend a while back and I'd, I don't think I could do porn because what if my if I had kids, what if they saw it? How would I, you know, how would I deal with that? But then I guess years later, I was like, well, I've done the escorting. So it's not like I'm going to walk away from a scene and, and hate myself for having had sex for money. I knew mm. that wasn't going to come up. So I thought, do you know what? Just go for it. Try it and see what yeah. you think. So oh, I went down nice. to, went to Wales for the first, first shoot we did. Because he does this road trip series. And he has a, a, Winnebago, uh, a Winnebago, which is the, the camper van that you see in Breaking Bad. It's this old American kind of bus type thing. And just had an absolute blast for the weekend. Had sex on the motorway <laughs> in oh. Wales. And then just got added a big wad of £50 notes at the end. I was just oh, like, amazing. oh, okay. Well, this is interesting. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was very fun and lots of respect you know before the scene starts there was lots of discussion of what's okay for you is there anything you don't like is there anything we shouldn't touch and okay. you know and that's not something I'd ever encountered it before you know in sex at all it's usually just oh, I'll give what you take I suppose mm. and then Marino that's his real name he so I've got a friend who lives in LA who's an agent so if you ever want to go to America let me know and I'll connect the two of you together but you're going to have slight issues with getting a visa and I was like well no because I'm an American citizen <laughs> so I've got a US passport so he was like oh my god you're gonna make a fortune out there so I did <laughs> I went over started flying out to the states yeah and, and had no issues because I had US ID uh, because they brought in it's called 2257 and it's it was under the auspices of eliminating uh you know imagery of child sexual exploitation but really it was just to try and stamp out the adult film industry but you have to have two forms of American ID so I had that so I, there was no issues whereas you know people are trying to skirt around these things and mm. flying into certain parts and yeah it's a whole a whole production what um, um what year was this about um so this must have been 2005 I think okay yeah yeah because I'd started going out 
I somehow, I can't remember, I somehow made contact with a guy in New York and maybe that happened first. I think it did. So yeah, the photographer told me about the, you know, Marino told me about mm. his friend in the States. Then I got contacted by a guy in New York who had mm. a similar setup, who he had a studio and a book of models. And he said, you know, if you want to come to the States, come on out, you can stay here. And then got scouted by Bang Brothers, which is a big website. You know, they've got a group of websites in Miami. So I flew New York, UK to New York, then went down to Miami, back to New York and then home. Mm. Then was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this more. And then made contact with the guy in LA. So that's oh, when I started I then going out to LA. Yeah, now it's wow. all come flooding back. <laughs> when you did the first shoot in, the porn shoot in Wales, and you said like, oh, it was quite a fun weekend. Do you remember what, we like, were you nervous about um, having sex on camera, essentially? Because I know, obviously, you had... No. no. I thought I would have done but I I guess I'm just not that sort of person I'm just more of a okay let's see what happens Um, and I guess there might have been um not apprehension or just want that desire to do a good job and like am I gonna look okay and but because I'd done so much photographic work it wasn't a massive leap to then I see have a moving image because I I'm just trying to imagine like it, you know if you're like getting to it and then there's like a camera there but I know it's all part of the job but I feel like but maybe that's just because I've never really been on camera like you know not not been a model or anything like that of course but um yeah so oh that's really interesting and then when you went when you went out to the US um were you then like booking lots of jobs or were you like connected to a specific director or how does it work in terms of yeah. I had a, an agent and it's the okay. guy who's been on the Louis Theroux documentaries that he's done um signed up to his books and then stayed he had a couple of houses so I stayed in the house and then you do go sees so they drive you around to the different studios and you go in meet the directors take your clothes off they take a couple of pictures put your clothes back on and leave and then they book you Uh, but I'd also sent photos ahead you know and they had they started building up a profile on the website so I think when I arrived I had my schedule was pretty full for the two weeks that was booked because I was shooting every day oh my goodness what Uh, happens if you're like I don't know you're not feeling well or even if you're on your period is that then worked into the scene or like what happens then I was on Depo Provera, which is like the injection oh, contraceptive. Yes. So I never had any periods anyway. Oh, that's handy. So, yeah. so yeah, very handy. <laughs> um, yeah, because there's, you know, the the lengths the women have to go to, you know, using makeup sponges or sea yeah, sponges. Yeah, I've heard horror stories about that. Mm, but yeah. yeah, I've had to pull a couple of them out of other people because I've got quite long fingers. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a production. Um, but in, when I arrived in LA the first time, I was driven more or less straight to AIM Healthcare, and it was the adult industry. That's where you go for your HIV and STI testing. Yeah, so I went straight, got tested, and then the next day, or even that afternoon, they were like, oh, you've got chlamydia. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I had to go and get uh, antibiotics and then push all of my shoots back. I think it was a week because I got the fast-acting antibiotics. But that's just part of of life. I was going to say, in I'm guessing in the pot when you're shooting, it's I'm guessing it's without a condom. For the most part, yeah. yeah. So the the thing with condoms is they're not built 
for porn. They're built mm -hmm. for civilian sex, which mm -hmm. is, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Whereas porn, you can be filming for six, seven hours and they can tear. Yeah. They also cause micro tears in the vagina or on the penis. And that then yeah. makes you even more susceptible to infection. So a lot of contract stars, so people who are contracted to one stu big studio, you know, you see some of them protesting and, and wanting to get a condom only, but they're contract stars. So it's they're shooting, you know, a few times a year. Mm. Whereas people that are independent and having to get as much work as possible. So the best thing to do, I guess, is is the regular testing that um, yeah. what about when you were an escort? Um did you have I mean obviously if you're on contraception you're epidemic to get pregnancy but was it just down to the client's wishes no um, I was always condom only. always condoms with escort always. okay yeah 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 that makes sense there's no chance I was gonna risk yeah <laughs> you know, yeah and they'll they'll offer you more money and it's like no no <laughs> the fact I that you want a sex worker to bear back you is just alarming because yeah you know you just don't know and for both of your health I guess yeah exactly and it's I mean the irony is it took sex work for me to be more mindful about my own sexual health. You know, I mm. would have condomless sex until I started in the industry. And now I won't without, yeah. un unless we're both tested kind of thing. So I tried to give blood a couple of years ago and they say, oh, have you ever had sex for money? And I was like, yeah, I used to be a sex worker. Oh, we can't take it. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> They're like, well, we can't because you might have. And I was like, well, I've been vaccinated against hepatitis yeah. uh, and I've had monthly HIV tests for years and yeah. I retired at least nine years ago oh we can't do it sorry and I was like but somebody yeah. could go to Magaluf for the week bear back five different people yeah. a day and you would take their blood yeah I'm like this, this is just yeah, ridiculous yeah because I've heard that, that those who work in um the who, who work in the sex industry are so much better at looking after their sexual health than the average person who like you said will, will have um unprotected sex with lots of different people yeah. And, and won't get tested and also it's like the as far as I'm aware as well because I, I give blood regularly they test before they can give the blood to anyone anyway they do have to test for things anyway exactly. that's it's ridiculous just, it's nonsensical it's just moralistic bullshit yeah. and it's you know same with with gay men I've mm. you know I've read a couple of gay men talking about it themselves and just how revolting is they claim to be desperate for blood yeah <laughs> but not yeah they always do those like yeah those bitch. Those like call outs on the, you know, saying that we desperately need blood to help. And giving blood's obviously a lovely thing to do, but you know, it's not fair that people are your sort of your perfectly good blood that could save someone's life is uh not not good enough. And I read an article written by a woman who I think one of her kids was in hospital and needed blood and they refused mm. her dose. She was like, Oh well, I'll give it, and they refused her because she'd done sex work. <laughs> Oh my goodness, it's ridiculous. So when you're on set, whether that was in the UK or in the US, what, what's it like being on, on a porn set? Like from what would, if you arrived in the morning, what, what would your day look like? So it's, I'll base it on a, a day in the US because the, the UK was more, a little bit more low key and the productions tend to be a bit smaller. So in the US, for example, our agent would come home at the end of a day and pin up the call sheet for the following day. And it'd be like eight, nine pages of A4 with different mm. names and what the scene is, who you're working with, what the company is, whether hair and makeup will be on set. So you'd go and have a look before going to bed. So yeah, I'd get picked up by one of the drivers 
Um, and you'd, you'd have to leave at least an hour before because the traffic in LA is, is crazy. Arrive on set and then you typically meet the director uh, as long as he wasn't in the middle of a scene. Go and pick out your clothing. So I had a massive Samsonite suitcase that I traveled with and everything was in little individual plastic bags labeled so I could pull everything so that out was, that I want. So, and that you own, that was all your own belongings that you then? Yeah. Okay, yes, so you have to provide everything. Oh, wow. I mean, if they had a particular look, then they would provide wardrobe. But it was just always best practice to travel in your own stuff and or bring your own stuff, I should say. And especially when you've got tits like mine, because I've got a tiny back, but then massive jugs. <laughs> so trying so to find underwear bra. that fits. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, if they wanted a particular costume or if it was a, I don't know, they wanted a French maid or something like that, then they'd provide that sort of thing. And then you'd meet your often meet your male talent and you'd look at each other's tests although the agency did that as well they would they would check tests as well but you know you always sit down look at each other's tests have that conversation what do you like well don't touch my nipples or don't pull my hair or Mm. don't choke me don't spit in my face that kind of stuff so that's all agreed well before okay yeah then you'd go hair and makeup um and then from hair and makeup you go and do pretty girls so you just, it's the kind of glamour shots that were used on the box covers and this is sort of dvd oh so this was the I dvd when, yeah. yeah so yeah when i started most of it was dvd it was like online was starting to creep in but the bulk of it was for dvd when i mm-hmm. first started uh, and then depending on the director sometimes you do sex stills while you were kind of still glamorous from your pretty girls, you do the full scene, but in photos and then fake the cum shot and then go how back. Do you and then fake st- a, how do you fake a cum shot? <laughs> so you can use, there is there are certain lubes that look like jizz. So that was uh, one method. Uh, pina colada, the no pina way. colada mix that's been used. I'm never going to look at pina coladas in the same way now. <laughs> <laughs> And then people start getting really creative and mixing their own. Oh, you need a little drop of, of <laughs> lube to get it shiny. And then a bit of, yeah. That sounds <laughs> quite anything. fun if you were, that was your job. Like, that sounds a bit scientific. Yeah, the, the PAs had a hell of a, hell of a job. <laughs> but yeah, so anything that looked mildly jizzy would just get thrown on. And, and then you'd have to get cleaned up, go back into hair and makeup, get pretty again, and then start the scene. Oh, so, wow. And then when you're being filmed... I guess beforehand, you, the director or whoever's gone through like the positions they want you to be in, or, or um, but are you continue, are you being like, whilst you're having sex with um, the person, the, the other actor, are you, are you being like shouted at, being like, oh, can you do this or can you do that? Or, or does it just depend? So, yeah, it depends on the director and it depends on the style. So, a feature is things like, I can't think of any of the names of the spoofs, but you know, like, so there's a kind of script and a storyline and then you've got Gonzo, which is more of like your internet stuff. So it's very unscripted. And but the director would typically say, we want four or five positions, you know, four minutes in each, but you've got to keep going throughout and then you've got your transitions. So the director would, the director talks to you as you're fucking <laughs> and you've got to keep going but listen at the same time it must be hard so, yeah and it's like okay right uh, you know another 30 seconds here and then we're going to transition into cowgirl and they'd want to get all of that on camera as much yeah. as possible so you just got to keep it keep it going you know and then obviously if the guy starts getting soft I was gonna or, say what 
yeah what happens if if you lose this direction I mean that that's the mark of a good male talent is mm. it, where it doesn't happen mm. <laughs> and that's you know not everybody can be male talent because mm. it's you know you you can have 10 people on set with you just watching you wait like looking at their watch like fucking those guys taking forever mm. <laughs> you know and it must be intensely high pressure so much pressure uh, yeah whereas you can just lie there and, and be then, like I'm waiting <laughs> well I don't know about lying there but no. <laughs> it's pretty because you've got to um the positions because you always have to have everything in shot so you know if you're if you're if they're taking a picture from behind you still have to get your face in shot as well as your ass <laughs> so you're contorting into these just oh ridiculous God. positions and the same in videos you know if you're in yeah. missionary you have to be up on your elbows holding your tits holding your legs open arching your back getting your face in shot and it's just it's so uncomfortable oh god i can imagine <laughs> yeah, what so uncomfortable. if you are starting to get uncomfortable or like if if you've been going at it a while and something like that can you like can you ever like ask to stop to have more lube or things like that yeah or? absolutely absolutely yeah. and I mean, I'm, I sort of, I was the sort of person that refused to tap out, you know, if the guy was going too hard or I was just like, just take it, just get it over and done with just the more you stop, the longer this is going to take, you know, they'd have to change tapes. This is back before memory cards, really. Um, so they'd have to change tape, change battery. So in that downtime, you could run out for a cigarette or get a bottle of water, go to the toilet, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But the, yes, the majority of directors were mindful of the, this is... I mean, we're in LA, it's hot. Yeah, Can't have the say. air conditioning on because you can hear it on the, the microphone. And, you know, all the houses that we filmed at often had large windows. So you'd get the sun beaming in and then they had lights and it was often halogen lights, which were really hot. Mm. So, and then you've got loads of bodies in one room. So yeah. it was just, a you know, you're talking kind of 40, 45 degree heat. Oh my <laughs> God. I'd be like, no one, no one touched me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, it's just not as glamorous as people yeah, think. Yeah, I think it's... even when you're saying, like, you know, if you're in, like, missionary or whatever, that you're propping yourself up and making sure everything's, you know, in view. Like, in, I was going to say normal sets. By normal, I mean, like, uh, <laughs> not on camera, uh, not yeah. for uh, consumption by other people. You wouldn't be thinking about that stuff at all. Be in the, mom in the moment or, or whatever, which just shows, again, that whilst porn is enjoyable for lots of people to consume it's not that's not what sex in real life is like because if Absolutely everyone had not. to make sure everything was on display I think a lot less people would be enthusiastic about sex yeah part of the reason why a lot of guys are huge in porn because you need to be able to see the penetration whereas it, with a smaller penis it's gonna get lost so yeah. in, say that's normal missionary in mm. porn you have to do that and it has yeah. to go in like that so that you can see it going in and out yeah, so it's it, and it's the term is going around the corner so you, the guy's literally having to bend his dick in while thrusting and and you know while if you're in cowgirl he's often holding the woman up mm. while you know thrusting into it so it's it's intensely physical intensely yeah i was gonna say it sounds work. like you've both got to be in in quite good shape to not yeah. you know just be like after a couple of minutes yeah i'm done you've got to keep going and and hold you know yeah. wow yeah beforehand were you told like what to do with your not only your makeup and hair were you told like oh we want you to be completely waxed everywhere or was that just expected i don't i, uh, I don't even know if it was expected to be honest it just it's just like what you do because yeah. <laughs> that's what we've been told women have to look like mm. and i 
I quite liked being completely bald. I mm. enjoyed the sensation of it. Mm. Um, but then, you know, you had some niche producers who liked like a full bush, but mm. obviously I could never do any of those because, uh, yeah. you know, for the one shoot you'd get every six yeah. months, you'd have it to grow yeah. a full yeah, so, yeah. But yeah, and then she got never... a wig or something, but I don't know. I'm murking. <laughs> Probably not so practical. But, no. <laughs> but yeah, that was never. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I ever remember a conversation of you have to, you have to be shaved. I think it's just mm. a given that you are because mm. we've told women for cent, you know, for decades we have to be out of any hair because that's weird. Mm. What would happen if I mean? I, well yeah if you met your um the male talent beforehand if you just I guess if you just had zero attraction to them at all you just does that matter I guess it doesn't matter because you still do it or were you ever in a stage where you're like I really don't want to do this with you but well frequently it's a job it's poor not prom you know it, it, mm. you're getting paid so you have to look like you're enjoying it and if mm. you don't you just don't get booked much so you've got yeah. to pretend you just got to show the enthusiasm and and make the viewer believe that there's this insane connection when really it's like get this fucking guy away from me you know and I'd come away from some scenes like oh my god I think I'm gonna quit mm. <laughs> because I just can't bear guys like this you know you'd mm. have so if they were changing the lights or changing the camera and stuff and they some of the guys would just follow you around the room trying to rub the dick on you well, help me keep hard I'm like no that's your fucking job that's like I'm getting my makeup retouched yeah <laughs> it's that's, off that's awful is that do you think maybe like slightly off the time would you think that would still happen now in in shoots I don't know I imagine it probably would to be fair yeah. um but I don't know if people are maybe more I guess because <sighs> I think people come into it with the belief that, well, it's sex and anything goes, mm. but it, it's not, it's a, I mean, it is, but it's a business. And if you yeah. can't keep your dick hard for the job that you're getting paid to do, you're the problem. And that's why a lot of them start, or some of them, I should say, mm. are taking Viagra and various other methods of, mm. of keeping erect because the pressure is, you know, it's a lot. It, yeah. But they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be relying or harassing their co-stars to keep them hard. Well, no, no, mm. but I guess they they just well, I just need a bit of help. <laughs> well, then you shouldn't be doing this job. Mm. You know? Wow. In Did you moment. find that it was quite like, um, especially when you, when you were being filmed, uh, the the shoots and, and studios? Do they feel quite like male dominated, or would it be quite a mixture? Yeah, well, it's very male gaze. You know, mm. it's all lots of penetration and kind of gynolo- gynecological type shots. Um, mm. But there was typically, you know, so you'd do, you'd start the scene and you'd be fully clothed and there'd be kissing and then it'd be oral on both, you know, so they always tried to get that bit in. Um, but yeah, I think porn has just become very formulaic, you know, mm. and it is very phallocentric kind of trying to please men because you know again women are told what well, women don't enjoy sex women don't watch porn so it's you know but we're starting to see that shift mm-hmm. you know the more women that talk openly about watching porn and about enjoying consuming it you know we're starting to see more and more female directors yeah and it's things are becoming to yeah to shift a little bit but obviously the all the free stuff that we see has been made by by guys for guys you know and some of the guys that are making it you know I knew one that was basically getting revenge on all the girls that 
ignored him in high school and would just treat them not so great and just yeah sort of mild bullying that mm. sort of thing and it's just like you're a pathetic little man aren't you mm. I can see how whilst I'm definitely not anti the industry at all you can see how in some cases there particularly I guess from directors there is that space or I I, I mean it's the same in lots of different industries there is that space for bullying and harassment to really take to really be quite prevalent and um, did you ever work under a female director yeah, a couple, or oh, a few, yeah. I should say. Yeah. yeah. Let me think. In the UK, I worked with Anna Span a few times. Um, okay. I think the majority of them were performers and then sort Became of directors moved okay. into directing, yeah. Interesting. And was there anything that you might have been booked to do or asked to do that, that you just weren't comfortable with or said no, or were you quite open to, to doing different types of scenes? Yeah, I was asked to do stuff, um, sort of BDSM kind of stuff. And I just, I never did it because the pay wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, it's, it's just never been something that I was that interested in personally. <sighs> yeah, and I just thought, you know, if the money was fantastic, I'd have probably done it mm-hmm. you know, just for the experience. But um, it's like, yeah, do I really want to get tied up for six hours for a few hundred dollars? Not mm-hmm. really, you know. And I think it shows as well that if you're not enjoying it so much. So I'd yeah, it would rather, come across. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd rather just do the things that I enjoyed, mm. really. Um, and then did I did you... a couple of scenes that were, it was kind of, it was, well, it was basically male rape. It was, you know, kind of flipping the trope. One of them was I was one of five prison guards and we were kind of using a strap on, on a prisoner. And after that, I was like, yeah, I've just filmed a rape scene and I don't feel great about myself mm-hmm. for doing it. So, I, you know, that then I was like, yeah, I'm just not going to not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Did you did you regularly do um, group, not in terms of like a rape scenario, but did you do like group scenes and threesomes and things like that? Did a, a couple of group scenes. So kind of they did one in Budapest, I want to say, and it was it was like a massive orgy I think it was like 20 30 people oh but then goodness. I was <laughs> I was only booked and paid to have sex with like two people oh, so it was kind of while everything else was going on around you kind of main stars as it were you just have sex with a couple of people mm. or and then maybe kiss a couple of others that sort of thing yeah. so it, was, it looks like it's out of control and very spontaneous and you know free but it's not as heavily <laughs> like, yeah. don't touch me I am not paid for you <laughs> um, yeah, there'd be threesomes, be that male, female, female, or female, female, male. But yeah, the majority was just two people. Okay. And what would you say, like, with the best and worst things about your time working um, in the porn industry? So the best, I think it's things, again, the freedom, um, mm. you know, it's so I'd, I'd go to the States for a month and then I'd come back for two months and barely work, you know, maybe mm. the odd escorting job um so it really worked probably a third of the year and then the rest was just free time wow. you know because I, I earned enough that I didn't have to yeah uh, and traveling the world seeing amazing things you know I did a, a scene in the helicopter I did really? a scene in, yeah did a scene in the Everglades in Florida and we were in this compound and the guy bred animals for Hollywood and after I'd finished my scene for the day, he was like, do you want to see something really cool? I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he brought me two little baby, um, I want to say macaque monkeys that had been born that morning. I was oh just holding God. these tiny little things in my hand like, oh God, 
I'm never giving it back. (laughs) Uh, And the money, you know, it was relatively speaking, it was a a great amount of money. Um, The, you know, on the flip side, it becomes a very, uh, in a way, an unstable lifestyle because I was Mm. traveling. So, you know, you can't really have, I couldn't have a relationship really. Uh, For me, I started seeing a side of the male psyche that I don't think women should see if you want to have a relationship or if you want to have trust or respect for men you know you start seeing things and you see patterns and behaviors that are just awful you know not necessarily on set but as a result of you know so men who view porn some of them refuse to see you as a human being you know and even now 11 years after retiring is it maybe even be 12 years now you know, even 11, 12 years after retiring, they're still contacting me on my social media saying, oh, Alexis Silver, I love you. I'm like, it doesn't say Alexis Silver on my profile. Yeah, It's not me. I'm not my character. And then they just type out this, you know, filthy little scenarios. And it's like, (laughs) why are you doing this? Yeah. Why do you feel like you have the right to do that? Yeah. You you haven't invited that, that kind of behavior. Um, Exactly. Why did you decide to retire? I never actually decided to retire it just kind of happened and I had been getting to the point where I wasn't enjoying it so much anymore I wasn't using my brain I wasn't using my creativity the money and the lifestyle wasn't enough and when I say lifestyle I don't mean you know I wasn't you know I wasn't like living in opulence or anything it was just you know nice to call the shots when you work and I want to spend the day in bed reading a book and I will you know Mm. it's the, the freedom it just wasn't enough. The payoff wasn't enough anymore. Mm. I wasn't getting as much out of it. And I wanted to do something different. Mm. And I just got to the point that I was going back to the States less and less. And then suddenly it'd been like seven, eight months. And I was like, oh shit, I haven't been to LA in ages. (laughs) Well, do I want to go back? I don't know if I do. Mm. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned that it was really hard to like maintain a relationship because you were like always traveling and things like that. Did it make dating quite fun or was it being in that industry? Was it was it difficult to, to have that side of a personal life? Yeah. So I didn't have a, a relationship at all in in the whole time. Okay. I, so I spent 12, 12 years single okay. and it just guys either couldn't handle it at all. Or mm. one guy I was kind of seeing a little bit. He was like, well, I should be able to go out and have sex with whoever I want. And I was like, OK, can I choose the person? well no what do you mean I was like well I don't get to choose who I have sex with at work Mm. so as long as I can choose who you're gonna fuck crack Mm. on that's really tough did you ever date within to other maybe a male escort or some of the male porn stars or no no Mm. never and again I think it was because of the amount of traveling that I did Mm. I just that just wouldn't have fulfilled me as much and what about when we're dating again afterwards was it almost a similar response if they found out about your previous work history or is it something that you didn't share as much? Yeah, so it, I was always of the mind that I was never going to lie about it mm. because I just don't think that's respectful or fair. You know, and especially I just had visions of, you know, of a guy looking for something to jerk off to and then be like, oh, that's my woman. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me? You know, I just don't think that's a fair thing to do to somebody else. And so I, yeah, I just didn't date for a while. And then any dates I did have were just, you know, it was just 
unfulfilling mm. and just a, yeah and then ended up in a in a bad relationship and then that after after I fled that relationship it took me years to want to trust somebody and let somebody mm. into my life again that must have been six years ago now I think uh, and you know I've been on several dates and stuff but just nobody well nobody's worth my time <laughs> I've met to be fair and I just fair and especially now that I've got just so much on constantly I just don't have the time and the energy and the, you know mentally and physically to just spend on dating apps <laughs> just mm. you know flicking through these guys who just don't care about mm. you know they spend no time on the profile and I I guess I'm just I'm a bit too comfortable in my own company like mm. I'd rather be but I think that's that's a positive thing it is it is but yeah there are times when I'd be like yeah it'd be lovely to you know if I've cooked something it'd be yeah. lovely to, to share the yeah. food with somebody no, you know with a partner and yeah and to have those moments of intimacy that you can't get from like a you know a friends with benefits kind of situation yeah. you just want that slightly deeper more connection. meaningful connection mm-hmm. um but it's not something I'm worried about or yeah you know I'm not giving it any undue attention it's just yeah. like well it'd be nice to be with somebody but I'm not and that's fine but like yeah your your life is so full without it so yeah yeah before I keep asking you questions and going on forever and ever <laughs> gonna wrap up with our true and false game so I've got three statements about mm-hmm. um the adult industry and basically you just need to tell me if you think they're true or false or not um okay. so Individuals using adult platforms to advertise their services or to facilitate webcamming, the sites usually take between 10 and 30% of their income. Um, oh, it's definitely, uh, I don't, I, my instinct is that it's more, it's more a higher percentage. So it's, well, I'll say true. It is true. It is true. <laughs> According to some government research, apparently. Hmm. Um, yeah, I would have yeah. thought it. Yeah, Maybe I would have thought it'd been higher, a higher percentage. I don't know if that's because of the rise of OnlyFans. I'm not quite sure whether that it's Perhaps. easier to. Uh, not not quite sure. I definitely do not have the <laughs> educational <laughs> authority to uh, <laughs> comment on that. Um, question or statement two: Male sex workers account for roughly twenty percent of the national of sex work population. Uh, true. That is true. Well done. Yeah. Um, it's quite a low percentage, actually. Um, yeah, it's one of, and it's one of the few industries where women are paid more. Than oh, really? Men. Mm, mm. Considerably. Thirdly, and finally, there are four to five thousand new content creators per day on websites such as OnlyFans. That's, uh, see, that seems high, but then I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. Uh, true. It is false. It is actually seven to eight thousand new content creators. That's a lot of people. Wow. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah, it makes total sense, especially after the last year. Yeah. Losing their jobs and so much uncertainty financially. Yeah, it makes it does make sense. But I am shocked. It's that high. It is that very high. And um, just before we fully wrap up, would you mind just sharing um, with uh, those listening where they can find out more about you and your social media handles? Absolutely. So I'm on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook as Auntie Rachel. In Rachel, the A is an eight. 
then if people want to show a bit of financial support, pay for the porn, finally, they can drop me some cash over at, uh, so it's ko-fi.com, coffee.com. I've got a Patreon channel and that's just Rachel Brownstein, patreon.com forward slash Rachel Brownstein. And then my YouTube channel is Auntie Rachel's Chaotic Kitchen, where I'll Ooh. teach you how to make delicious things out of plants. Um, but thank you so much for coming on and I feel like I've learned so much that I didn't know before and I'm just yeah <laughs> that's amazing to hear thank you